It's Twin Shrieks Radio. Bit of a loud one, but I think we can handle it. I told you it was going to be a loud one. I told you. First three tracks off of the Spike Pit demo. Kicked in, Eat Shit, and Snake Eater. And then we're going to keep playing some hardcore, and eventually we're going to get to an interview conversation with the drummer Will of the band Restraining Order. Keep it locked. You're on Twin Shrieks Radio, BFF.FM. Again, that was the first three tracks off of the demo from Spike Pit, just released, self-released from Virginia. It's fierce. Shout out the Demo Listen podcast Facebook group for always putting me onto the good shit. Now, um, let's because on the interview with Will from the band Restraining Order, we're, we talk a lot of Sound and Fury, so I want to play one of the bands that I, I again thought had such a ripping Sound and Fury set and have an incredible EP out right now. That EP is called Eyes of the Real, and this song is called Endless Torment by Dead Heat. Shout out Southern California Hardcore here on Twin Shrieks Radio, BFF.
Western Massachusetts and Connecticut hardcore punk band Restraining Order. They're blowing up. They played Sound of Fury. They just had their record release shows over the weekend on the East Coast. And I had the pleasure to interview their drummer alongside my good friend, one of my best friends actually, uh, Steve Macri, who's a host of Behind the Vinyl. So this is the audio that we have from our conversation as heard on Behind the Vinyl Pod and now on Twin Shrieks Radio, BFF.FM. Here's some angel dust to kick us off.
Hey, you're listening to BFF.FM. Just had a new record come out, which uh, I was really excited about. I know Mike was too. It's called Locked in Time. Uh, just came out the past month. But Will, thank you for coming yeah, on. Um, I just wanted to start out with a question before we get into the the record that just came out. Uh, and, and Mike can really attest to this. Um, how was playing at such a big festival like Sound and Fury this year? Oh, dude, it was awesome. I've been. Uh, I think I can speak on behalf of the whole band. Down and Fury is like a, a festival we've always wanted to play since like the original incarnation of it in uh, you know like 10, 15 years ago. So uh, being able to play it now is uh, pretty incredible because it's uh, grown so much over the years. Hell yeah. I was, so Steve mentioned me in there because I was the behind the vinyl hardcore correspondent uh, on the ground uh, in LA okay. for that weekend. And uh, it, it was dope. So I got to see, I saw, the first time I saw Restraining Order was, um, oh, what show was that? It was in Connecticut. I want to say it was the Anxious uh, Little Greenhouse release show. Oh, cool. Opened up. Um, so to see you guys, you know, in like a smaller club and then you're on the big, like literally the biggest hardcore festival, I think right now. I know we have This Is Hardcore on the, on the in Philly, but I think especially in the state of California, but in terms of the scene, Sound and Fury is like, that's the show. You know, that that's 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 the hot gig. So to see you guys rip it there was, was freaking wild. Um, I'm sure it was hot, but speaking of hot gigs, I also saw you guys at um, Austin's Oblivion Access Festival. Oh, shit. Literally 105. <laughs> so I feel like LA was nothing compared to that. But but yeah, that, that makes me realize I've oddly seen you guys in three different three very different settings but you bring it every time and and i love loving the response to the new track so right on hell yeah i mean that's cool that you've seen us in those different environments because uh yeah, <laughs> yeah that austin show was probably the weirdest out of all of them because like that venue i know that's kind of like a legendary venue mohawk but like mm-hmm. holy shit it was like 105 degrees out yeah, I'm like, at, at what point are you not allowed to have a, a hardcore show? <laughs> it was like, I took I took a video, and then like when you take an Instagram video, you can you can show the degrees, and it's like 107. I'm like, <laughs> and people are still windmilling and pitting, and I'm like, oh, oh God. God bless them. Uh, that, I was up there like pouring fucking water on my head, like. Just like I can't even imagine being on stage, let alone drumming (laughs) in that temperature. Yeah, it was. Oh my god, probably the hottest show ever played. I mean, it's maybe not the hottest show ever played because I've played some indoor venues with like no ventilation and stuff. But yeah, that was just like 
kind of no escape. But it was really cool. I'm really I'm really happy we played that. I remember as like a kid in like 95 plus degree weather playing like baseball or something. You, you almost forgot that you were in the heat in the moment. But then afterwards, you're like, where's the closest Gatorade or something? Is that happening with drumming? too? <laughs> I, I'm always like thirsty, like at all times. Like, I don't know. There's probably something wrong with me. Like if you watch in between songs, I'm always just down in water. But um <laughs> I think in the moment, I, I know what you mean though. In the moment, I was like, there was so much adrenaline that it didn't even matter. I, I was, I was pumped. Yeah, the, the only thing that uh, you guys are a pretty fast, like set, like fast songs. Uh, I feel like you you breeze through the sets too in a good way. It's just like right at sure. you. But um, I'm sure, like in between, like when you're talking to the crowd or something, that that has to be intense a little bit, trying to catch your breath. But, <laughs> I want to jump back to uh, Sound and Fury because there was some cool things that happened this weekend. I, I haven't really had the opportunity to talk to too many people about it yet other than Mike. I know the biggest thing, in my opinion, this weekend or the past weekend was the ceremony uh, popping up. First, I'll ask, did bands know about that beforehand? And where were you when ceremony jumped on the stage? <laughs> um, I didn't know about it at all. Um, I was like, I think just pretty exhausted sitting in the merch area, which is like maybe two football fields away from the stage they played. But I heard, um, the first song on, um, uh, was, uh, Curse. They played Curse, and, like from, you know, yards away. And I was like, all right, I gotta, <laughs> I, I know what's going on and I have to go see this. And it was, uh, pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, that was, cause I was just picking up, I was probably passing near where you were in Merch because if I remember correctly it was right after the high vis set and I was picking up a shirt for Steve and he wanted to get a high vis shirt and then I was just kind of doing a lap by the food so the sign up here set up it was very like what you call it a diagonal it was like stage area stage and then merch all in one long line And then I thought um, the next band would have been Minority Unit, like on the set list. So I thought, like, oh, I guess they're hopping on earlier and they're tuning and like, like oh, I think they're tuning to like uh, that ceremony song. I'm like, all right, that's cool. And then I was like, and then I start seeing like one person starts running. I'm like, all right, I guess that you know they really want to see Minority Unit. You know, that's what's up. I don't think they played in ten years or something. And then I see a group of people start running, and I'm like, all right, this is weird. And then another two people start running over and one of them like i hear them say like oh they're about to go on they're about to go on and then i'm like wait a second and then i really hear this you know the intro to curse pick up i'm like wait a second and then i start kind of picking up my feet and then i i hear ross start yelling california and i'm like <laughs> oh shit this all makes sense because i know that they have like you know they, they were doing a um it might have been like a, a vinyl re-release or something um, it was like a, a tribute to a Sound and Fury show from, like you mentioned, back in the day 10, 15 years ago um, when Ceremony was on those early lineups. So like they had a, you know, they had a shirt and a vinyl. So I was like, put two and two together. I was like, this makes so much sense. And uh, 
And yeah, that, and then boom, they rip into, you know, the most ferocious seven and a half minute set I've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was, I think that was legendary for, you know, just to see that reaction, boom, just like that. I think it just, it made, you know, I, I think it made the weekend for me. Ceremony has been one of my favorite bands, you know, since I got, it got into hardcore and um, to see them play, you know, all that, that, that quote old stuff, it was, it was, it was wild. And, you know, to be in California for that, I think that was that was dope. As, as like another band, do you feel that moment uh, with ceremony in a way? Uh, I mean, yeah, that they certainly know how to crash a party, you know, like uh. <laughs> it's just like the, the excitement in the air was uh, you could just feel it. You know, I mean, I've seen ceremony in so many different incarnations and I really like their kind of later stuff a lot. But, you know, seeing them play that first seven inch front to back like it really took me back to being like uh in high school you know i i remember getting violence violence on cd when i was like a junior in high school and it had the seven inch and the the back end of it and like i don't know it's crazy that like 15 years later or maybe even longer i'm not sure when that record came out those songs still connect with like today's hardcore audience it's truly a, a testament to ceremony as a band can you think of like other moments that you've been in the audience for that matched that type of excitement? Um, oh man, that's tough. I'm trying to think. Maybe like some of the like early Edge Day shows I went to in Boston. Uh, well, maybe not early Edge Day, but like when all those like new scene bands existed, like No Tolerance and Rival Mob and all that stuff. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say. You know, I I know I've seen secret sets before, but nothing of that scale. You know, like. 5,000 people in a park in LA like that was that was pretty incredible yeah I feel like it you go to enough shows it almost becomes like just like one big blur for everybody I, I know like there's sometimes like I'll throw a band at my like hey like I heard from this band or I'm interviewing this band and I'll be like oh yeah I saw that band in Chicago this year and <laughs> you know great set so I'm sure like if we threw like bands your way you'd be like yeah yeah I remember that one but on the spot it's hard to think of that stuff <laughs> One one of the big things for Sound of Fury is the merch, and, and I, I know like it's kind of like Christmas Eve when you're you're scanning through social media and you're trying to see like what shirts are gonna pop up the next day, and then some bands yeah. just hold out and just, just throw like it's, it's exclusive merch. I, I didn't see on your page like like any like hey this is our Sound of Fury merch. Did you do exclusive merch for the for the festival? No, we kind of dropped the ball on that. We just been touring so much lately that we had like a lot of leftover merch enough to like where if we made a new shirt like it'd be kind of irresponsible but yeah we we had some we haven't been to la and uh probably about uh a little less than a year ago we were in la so i figured some of these designs we haven't had out there but um i think i kind of learned my lesson maybe next year well i mean i don't know if we're playing next year but if if we did play Sound and Fury again, maybe do like some kind of exclusive design or something, because those are flying off the tables. I could see they're, they're shopping. They got the shopping bag, the totes, and just and make, yep. making the rounds. Those lines oh, yeah. are always like, I'm like, I just can't, I can't, I can't wait in line that long. <laughs> um, but it was, I mean, plus you guys, you got to, you got to sling the new, uh, the new vinyl. That looked good. That looked good on the triple B table there. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was a, a nice nice thing to have we managed to get those check the bag with those uh 12 inches and they didn't get fucked up flying across oh the you country. flew over with them oh man oh gotcha. yeah 
<laughs> yeah, it was a real risky move, but uh, I think I padded them up nice with all our leftover T-shirts. Um, Did you guys yeah, fly from uh, like from the East Coast right to LA for that show, and then continue your shows? Like, where are you at right now? So we we're we're home right now in in the Northeast. I live in Massachusetts, and um, some of the guys live in New York, and uh, some of them live in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So uh, we. We just flew to LA for that show and we played an after show and then we flew back home after that. Okay, right on. Yeah, because when you guys hit the stage, it's so it's like Western Massachusetts, you shout out uh, Connecticut Hardcore. And then if I'm not mistaken, um, the front man lives in Queens now or in Brooklyn? Yep. Yeah, Patrick lives in, uh, in Ridgewood, Queens, which is like, I guess, technically Queens, but pretty much on the line of Brooklyn. Yeah. And uh, he lives with Dylan, our, our guitar player, who was originally from Long Island. He's he's our newest addition to the band. He's been touring with us for the past, like, two years. And um, the rest of us all live up in New England. Pat- Patrick's originally from Connecticut, so he, he okay. reps Connecticut really hard. Okay, I think. <laughs> most, most of the band, like, he, he's got a lot of Connecticut pride, so, like, <laughs> he couldn't live with us just being a Western Massachusetts band, like, since since the jump. Okay, no, that's um, fair. I remember when I first found you guys, it said Western Massachusetts on your band camp or whatever. Yeah, I've seen you yeah. live. I'm like, a lot of Connecticut shout outs right here. And then especially <laughs> at that show with Anxious, who's a Connecticut band, I was like, no, sure. they, they pop off in CT. So, but, um, but that, and then that reminds me, your record release show is at TVI, right? In uh, Ridgewood, Queens? Or one yep. of the record uh, release shows? Billy, too, yep. right? We're doing, we're doing three. Uh, the first one's Friday in... Holyoke, Massachusetts, which is Western Mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Saturday in Ridgewood at TVI, which is like right down the street from where uh, Pat and Dylan live. And then uh, Sunday in Philly. So a little weekend in the Northeast. Yeah, that, that's a loaded weekend. Um, it seems like there's a lot of excitement coming from it. Um, can you tell us about like some of the bands that you chose to come along for with you guys uh, for this record release show? Yeah, yeah. Um, we kind of handpicked the like lineup we picked uh candy apple from denver who's a band that like i've really liked for a while now we played with them last year when we were in denver actually it was funny enough we played with them and ceremony in denver last year and um i liked them on record but seeing them live really just like solidified it for me and then i uh listened to their new seven inch house it was one of my favorite hardcore records of last year um so we hit them up just kind of like not sure if they would be down to you know, fly out and do the weekend and they, they seemed really down and I, I was stoked and they were, they were kind of like our first pick. And then we had Burning Lord on all three shows, which is our friends from Boston. Um, just kind of sick New York hardcore inspired kind of raw hardcore and they're fucking awesome. They should have a, they're going to have an LP out probably next year. And then uh, for the, like each show, we kind of just like handpicked openers uh, fraud from Boston's playing the Hook show they're they're awesome sick new fast punk leaning hardcore uh who else we got broken vow on that show our western mass friends who else we got the stress from new york punk band uh dead last our friends from new york and dylan, dylan plays dead last uh see in philly we have cut down and firestarter who are on tour so they're jumping on that show this should be a cool lineup yeah, you, you you mentioned how often uh, restraining orders kind of been touring lately, and it feels like there's new tour flyers every week from the fans. <laughs> You're on the road a lot, but yeah. I, I feel like it's been a lot of like, hey, we're we're taking along with this band. 
you finally have a weekend where it's a celebration of you and it's a celebration of the hard work that you put into this record. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the first record since 2019, maybe. So, um, you know, it's been a few years coming, maybe. Uh, is it 2019? Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, yep. Yeah, so th this is a big celebration. This is a four years in the making. Like, how's it feel to have a day that's focused on uh, restraining order? It's really cool, man. Yeah, you know, like the last record came out in 2019 at the end of the year. So we had like maybe five months to tour on it before the world shut down. So like, I, <laughs> it kind of feels like now we can put out a record and like just kind of uh, do what we really, really want to do with it. And uh, I mean, we've been pretty much since like shows started up, we've been touring and playing nonstop. But uh, yeah, we, we've done a lot of support tours and uh, we've been kind of planning this weekend since January, really. I think it was when we started putting the feelers out to bands. And um, yeah, it feels good to just be able to go out and kind of just have, have a night for us. I hope the shows go over well. I'm pulling up your upcoming shows and I totally forgot that you guys are going to you were just added to that angel dust, that massive angel yep. dust tour, right? For the, yeah, it looks like the West coast leg. Is it, is it the entire tour? We're just doing like a week of it, I think, or okay. maybe like eight, eight shows, but um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's gonna be, that's gonna be so fucking cool. We, and candy's we, uh, on that too. Candy. Uh, we, we did oh, a tour of candy last summer. That was so, so much fun. They're insane. Angel dust just nonstop oh, like, thrash. Fucking I don't know if so you good. Have the, there was the festival in Atlantic City called Adjacent Fest, and they had like, yep. they had some like, it was weird. It was like you have like Paramore, Blink 182, and then you had like, you had like Candy and Drug Church and Folly, and like, and I saw Candy play on a beach at like 1 p.m., and it was, it was just madness. Like, it was, yeah. Oh my God. I, I got super into that band after that. Um, so that, that's going to be wild shows. With Angel Dust, you guys, Candy, and then it looks like maybe rotating a rotating fourth. Um, yeah, yeah. I think every show, well, not every show. I think like you know, like every third show, there, there's gonna be a different opener, which is which is awesome. I love that. It makes it you know a little more diverse. Yeah, but and then don't sleep. Yeah, Brooklyn Monarch gig, September 9th with the Gorilla Biscuits, Cold World, Fucked Up, Bib, and Restraining Order. That's just like that's like a mini yeah. set Fury right there. Oh yeah. Yeah, fucked up. Playing like we were, you know, we play in New York City a lot, and yeah. we were really trying to not like overplay. <laughs> but like when you get offered a show like, like that, it's like you can't say no. Oh yeah, there's so, no radius clause or like oh we're you know, we're playing there <laughs> yeah. and it's like no, it, you know when Walter gets on the phone and you're like oh Gorilla Biscuits oh Cold World oh okay I yep, think we could yep. slip that in for a little weekend gig yeah oh yeah and it works out because we leave uh, on our uh, headliner well it's like a co-headliner we're doing with Gum mm -hmm. and that's about a two week tour so that that'll be like the first date of it and then we'll probably take off to the to the first show with gum after that which i think is in indiana or something nice steve you had gum on here before right on the pod yeah they just had a new record come out so it's two bands kind of getting the uh, opportunity to play their new stuff did you get a chance to listen through gum's record yeah yeah it's awesome man they uh they kind of reach out to us to see if we want to do shows in the fall and, um, uh, you know, usually when bands do that, we kind of just kind of blow it off. But, like, <laughs> I listened to Gum, and I was like, oh, this is, like, a perfect band 
to go out with for us because like i don't know they're doing something a little outside of the box of normal hardcore it's a little more uh posty i guess post hardcore but like not in the modern way kind of in like a discord way i guess i don't know i really enjoy that new record a lot yeah. and i think those shows are gonna be a lot of fun that's not convulse right yep convulse records yeah really good dudes yep. in that band uh i think you're gonna have a good time and uh like you said um I think it's a perfect match for hitting the road. Uh, the two bands. I think there's going to be a lot of energy from the two sides. Um, I feel like you, you guys too. Um, you know, the past two records, you kind of give homage to your like your roots in a way. Um, I, I know, like this gets mentioned a lot. It's like like '80s punk, nine maybe early '90s punk. Like I, I, you can hear it in a lot of these songs. I wrote a note about a few of the songs that I thought I, like I, I was hearing it in, but I'm not going to try to find those th- those notes. But <laughs> with all that, like like what hardcore is building into, uh, for you to still keep like those punk roots in a way and like really still go back to your influences, I think that's a pretty cool thing that the band does. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we love. I mean, all of us love like early hardcore first wave hardcore stuff but um we don't really want to be like put in a box as being this like kind of like retro band like i remember like being when i was like a teenager like youth crew revival was a big thing like bands trying to like dress and look like youth of today and and like that's like fun but it's also kind of cosplay with us it's like yeah we wear our influences on our sleeve but i hope people think of us as being like a modern hardcore band or, or a modern punk band we're not like trying to like recreate an era or anything like that um we're just you know kind of just taking influence from a lot of different angles and um just not really trying to like put ourselves in a box i guess uh i thought it was interesting from your your first record i was kind of reading up on it uh and i i know like we want to put the spotlight on what just came out this year but uh, this world is too much. Had a song that uh, it was called "What Will You Do," mm-hmm. and uh, I think it was Punk News said it kind of reflecting on circumstances of people growing into and out of hardcore underground. It, it's it's interesting because in 2019, I feel like that was very much a thing. Like I, I don't know if like <laughs> yeah. part these these festivals just weren't like popping up like like they are now, and like some of these bills that we're seeing, like like these uh, like every I feel like. Every time a hardcore band announces a tour, it's with like five other sick hardcore bands that is joining along. So uh, it, it's it's really built up. But at that time, was it kind of like a strange time period for the band, like jumping into hardcore and, you know, not knowing really what the direction was going to be? Yeah, I mean, I feel like 2019 feels like a million years ago now. And, um, you know, you kind of saw like the ramping up of what, hardcore is like now i mean i remember going to i went to the half heart reunion show in in worcester massachusetts where like nine thousand people showed up and i remember like telling my friend like is hardcore this big and you know there's a lot of factors into why that show was so successful and um i mean it's too bad i don't have patrick on to talk about his lyrics because i feel like he might be coming from a different place than i am i just like I, I see everything going on right now as positive. Maybe not everything, but like I think guitar music's been in such a dark and depressing place for the past ten years. Like there's so many shows I played like when we first started where we were playing like eighteen and up and twenty one and up shows. It didn't even fucking matter because like there wasn't any kids that would wanna go. And now it's like hardcore's 
you know, blown up so much that like there's all these new kids coming out. And um, I see that as a positive. And, um, you know, it, it's definitely helped us out a lot in, it, since lockdown. Yeah. With uh, Sound and Fury, um, you kind of said that was like t- 10, 15 years in the making for you guys, like to be, be able to play such a cool festival like that. But you also now talk about like what guitar music is turning into. Is it almost refreshing for you? Like you went through different waves of it. Uh, and now you're at a point where it just feels like somebody took like some, something and put like energy back into it, you know, uh, brought it back to life in some ways. Um, it just has to be like motivating in a way as someone in a band, especially like restraining order that's, you know, taken off. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's always going to be like really bad music. <laughs> so like and I get why like some people might be like a little apprehensive about hardcore getting popular but um i would rather hardcore have some like you know some light crossover with the mainstream than like some other bullshit i mean like if a kid sees like turnstile on tv or something that's way better than like some nonsense like you know some nonsense music and um i think it's just all positive in in the long run yeah there was a few songs i wanted to talk about i know the first song addicted reprise i thought it was like so cool how you entered this record there's kind of this like slow like i don't know uh, slow like feeling in the beginning and then it it just takes off and i I feel like you're you're sitting there in the beginning and you're you're like i could be driving and getting stuck in my thoughts with this this beat right here it was really cool and then it goes into it. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that song, like the making of the song and like what you were trying to work towards for that song? I can't remember when we came up with the idea to start the record with the ending of the last record. But um, I think I might have been just like because I, I self-produce and record all the records. Yeah. So I had the multi-tracks of the last record. And I think I was just like fucking around with the ending of Addicted to This Life, the last song on the first record. And there's all these layers at the end and you can hear the main riff of the reprise at the end of it and i think that was just the basis of a song and we were just like all right let's just start the record off with that and uh i think it was inspired by uh there's a a hate breed record uh rise of brutality (laughs) that starts with the ending of the previous record and um that's probably the only comparison to hate breed that we can make other than being a connecticut western mass hybrid band i was like (laughs) but um i mean I, i love hate breed we all do. We, we're all hate breed fans. Yeah, I, I, it, it was just kind of a silly idea, and I think it worked out. So this record was a continuation, in some ways, of your your 2019 one. Yeah, it's kind of. Like, I guess you could say it's a, the the sequel, the the logical successor of the first record. Four four years later. That's really cool. Did some of these songs like were they created during that time period in 2019? Because I know some bands do that where. They have like songs that maybe didn't make the record or like they didn't feel like it was a fit at the time. Were, were these songs like created during the pandemic or did you have these already? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, some of them date back to about the time the first record came out. Um, most of them were written, though, like that first few months of lockdown. So like spring 2020. Yeah. And um, we probably would have had the record done sooner but like once lockdown ended we just got right back out on, on the road and didn't really have much time to sit down and record it but most of the songs that we've been sitting on for probably two or three years now that's really cool well, what's it like like the typical process for the band I, I know like the pandemic hit us um when were you able to like get into the studio and stuff like that usually like because i have my own project studio 
me and Kyle, our guitar player, are, are usually the main riff writers. Like we'll come in with ideas um, on our own or we'll work on ideas on our own and then eventually, you know, jam them out together. And usually Keith will be there too, kind of as like our compass to be like, is this good or not? <laughs> uh, like I kind of need Keith there to like really gauge if the songs are good. And um, Patrick being down in New York, we'll send him like cell phone demos or whatever and he'll usually write lyrics on his own so yeah we did like i'm trying to think we did a we did a split with warfare in 2021 i i don't think shows were back yet i think we're still technically locked down or or you know that that weird period where there was no shows and um we didn't enter the studio for this record until the winter of 2022 so like february so a year and a half ago is when we started tracking this record yeah it was it, it was a process it took a while i thought it was, it was pretty wild jumping into the mind of patrick and just like reading up on like some of the one-liners he gave a few of these uh media pages and uh two things that stuck out to me that when he was talking about the record he he talked about leaving the past behind, uh, seeing the the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, it sounds like that was like maybe a theme or something that was on his mind during this record. But also that there was like this interesting one, and and I can I can see it from like just wanting so much more out of life, uh, where he talked about like stay like a song being specifically about staying up at night. I think and just thinking about what's coming and what's been in the past. It's a lot of deep stuff. Like, are, are, are these conversations that the band's having together often? <laughs> uh, not really. I mean, I give Pat, like, full reign on what he wants to write. Um, I'm, I'm not a very good lyric writer. Yeah. Uh, the music side music side and production's my, my thing. He has his own outlook on life. And he, um, you know, he, he's, he's a really positive guy, despite, you know, maybe some of these lyrics being a little, like, you know, self-reflective and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I, I do think he went through kind of a similar experience with me during lockdown and just put all, put a lot of energy into um, what he wanted to say uh, lyrically, like I did musically. And um, I don't know, I, I always, I, I'm always impressed with what he comes up with um, because he doesn't really like date the lyrics at all. They, they'll always be relevant in a way just because there, there's nothing about him that uh, feels dated, you know? So um, yeah, it's too bad he's not here right now to give his two cents. I don't, I don't want to speak too much on behalf of him, but. No, that makes total sense. Especially like something as simple as like something for the youth. Like that song always gets me just, you know, and I'm, I'm in my thirties, but I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Something for the youth. Cause it's like, <laughs> there's always that wave of, of, like you said, now more kids are starting to get into hardcore, you know, hearing all the interviews of like, there's a lot of kids at this is hardcore. There's a lot of kids going to Santa Fury. There's a lot of new bands spreading about. And it's like, I agree with you what you said, you know, before where it's like, you know, is, is hardcore in the mainstream a good or bad thing? But I think it's a good thing. I think it, it's giving because it's like, oh, I found this band Turnstile. And then it's like, you know, you look at earlier Turnstile and you're like, whoa. And then you look at like, you know, and then you start finding these like other bits like, oh, Trapped Under Ice. Oh, Angel Dust. Oh, you know, and then it's like, oh, Angel Dust on tour, Restraining Order, you know, Bib. And then you start and then you just start putting, uh, to put the pieces together because um yeah and there's this the never-ending discourse of like you know of people just you know being big on like all this stuff with scowl recently of people being like oh this is and then and then cat moss just drops a mic drop and and then it's like fuck yeah you know i hope scowl 
continues their success. Uh, Steve and I had the pleasure to interview Kat, I guess at this point, it was almost last year. Yeah. Um, and it's just awesome to see, to just continue to see that rise and, and I'm with it. So, you know, if, if restraining order pops in that Taco Bell commercial, fuck yeah, I'm with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> we, uh, we live on Taco Bell. But, exactly. Um, see, it makes sense. <laughs> no, nah, seriously though. Like, yeah, it's just like, I don't think people realize that there's a fucking kid somewhere in like Indiana or Nebraska or whatever that like will never find this music and maybe for better or for worse. But like, <laughs> I remember being a kid, like watching Headbangers Ball, going back, bringing up Hate Breed one more time. But like, uh-huh. dude, like I would see fucking like, I'd watch, you know, Kill Switch Engage videos. And then all of a sudden he'd be like, all right, this is a throwback. This is like sick of it all or a Gnostic front video. It like that blew my mind. Like, yeah, you know, and, and if that could happen now with a kid, you know, seeing like scowl or turnstile and then finding like TUI or, uh, I don't know, some, something a little more obscure. That's fucking cool. I hope that happens. Well, something I ask often because I always like to pick the brain of the musicians who created this record. And I I know it's something tough to maybe pick a few, but um, because you'd probably like to say that everything in Locked in Time is your favorite, but kind of how I word it is like, if you have friends who've never listened to your band before, they're coming in and they're saying, what's a handful of songs, maybe two or three that I should start with? And you really think it would get them hooked on these songs? Uh, what are you picking personally? Uh, for the for the new record? Yes. Oh, that's a really good question. Oh, that's so tough. Because we had such a hard time picking um, singles for this one. Yeah. We kind of made this record, like, we kind of, well, I kind of mapped it out with a sequence where, like, I'd almost prefer people to just listen to it front to back. But uh, I guess I, if I had to pick some highlights, probably the first song, uh, the second song, uh, Left Unsaid. And then um, I might go with, uh, there's a song on the B-side called Wouldn't You Agree? That's kind of a slow jammer. Well, slow for us. Uh, that was really inspired by like stuff like The Stooges, but also stuff um i mean just just psych rock in general there's there's a little bit of like effects on the vocals during one part and stuff like that and uh i i think that's just like a good example of us not being one-dimensional i guess yeah i i kind of want to get uh i want to ask a question first and then i'll get back to the one-dimensional side of things um misled was the single you talked about how it was tough to pick singles but that one seems to be really talk taking off in a way it kind of seems like an anthem almost like some and that you you're going to show up this weekend and people are already going to know the words to uh, and be singing along what what did make you pick misled because uh it, it's an amazing song and it definitely has that energy that, to be a single yeah i think yeah probably that's that's why i mean that one is really like essentially just a garage rock song filtered through us playing hardcore i think it just made the most sense pick that as a single because it's kind of it just has like a pop kind of feel to it uh i guess that one i uh i honestly didn't really have much like i mean i like that song but i didn't really have much faith in it because we played it on uh we did a a week with drain and that's when we first put in our set and um i mean we were opening those shows so it you know it was we kind of had the win over the crowd anyways but i didn't really have full faith in it until we played it at outbreak fest in in manchester england and 
it was like insane the reaction it got. I think maybe it marinated for a while. Like people, it, you know, it was a few weeks after it came out, and um, it was exactly the reaction I would want a song like that to get. And ever since then, I've I, I've loved playing it in the set. You talked about like that one-dimensional side. I want to jump back into that. Um, sure. I, I like for for the longest time, the band's been kind of been known for like those fast two-minute songs, maybe under two minutes. Uh, but in the beginning of the interview, you did talk about ceremony and how you like their newer stuff. And ceremony did slow it down. Some people love it. I, I think their diehards uh, stick with them through and through. But there there was some lashback about um the new style that ceremony or the new direction that ceremony was going in um you you mentioned having like a song that you slowed it down on for this record and you know that that's <clears throat> outside of what people expect from uh restraining order if they've been listening to you since you know you, you came together as a band um are you almost trying to challenge yourself to do something similar to what like a ceremony's done or like you know even we talked about scowl Scal did a song that was outside of their comfort zone where it was mostly singing vocals, you know, like it wasn't like the typical screaming uh, or yells that we're used to from Cat. So it seems like a lot of these hardcore bands are trying that out. Um, do you feel like you fell into that too with this record? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, for us, a lot, you know, writing this record in those first few months of lockdown, I wasn't listening to a lot of hardcore because it felt weird listening to music that i couldn't see live especially music that's meant to be played live like hardcore so i was listening to a lot of like classic rock and a lot of like psych rock even just like a lot of like just mainstream like 90s rock was getting played a lot and i think that really did end up in some of the dna of this record and um you know it's funny like i i think people might be hearing like the song we did a, you know, there's the title track Locked in Time has acoustic guitars on it. And I think people might begin the vibe like, oh, great, Restraining Order's going for it too. You know, they're trying to be uh, kind of cash in on this wave of like hardcore trying to go mainstream or whatever, which I don't think is really the case. I think it was coming from a uh, uh, place, an honest place. You know, it, it was us or me in particular, because I wrote the music of that song, just being inspired by what I was listening to at the time. And um, I don't want to make the same record twice. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Like, I love bands like Ramones and ACDC that made the same record countless times. I wouldn't say Ceremony is a sonic influence, but looking at their career, they're, they're a band that has inspired us. And I think um, a band that has sonically influenced us, Fucked Up, who we did some shows with this year, like they're they're always a band we look at who literally thrown the rule book out the window and they have for you know 15 to 20 years now so um yeah i, I i'm curious where we'll go with the next record i thought it was really cool that you mentioned uh the stooges um i remember when i gave my sh short attempt at doing a band it was a, a really failed attempt um we would always start out with like uh, I want to be your dog into our first song is it was like a, such a cool, oh, yeah. but like, I, I think of them like when you were given that previous response, I kind of think of them too, because like a lot of people would say like Iggy pop, like maybe the Godfather of punk, like one of the people who, um, you know, almost originated the genre. And uh, I feel like sure. that record that the Stooges or Iggy pop put out, it was pushing the envelope. It wasn't like something that you heard of before necessarily. Do you think that that's why like, 
a band like that resonates so much with you? Oh, for sure. I, I always love, you know, I'm a big music history fan and I'm a total nerd for like dissecting who did what first. The Stooges were such a fucking groundbreaking band. And um, in all that early Detroit stuff is so inspiring to us. And it's just like 60s garage rock in general. Like there's so many parallels between that and the hardcore we love. Just like bands from the Midwest that only put out like one single. But it's so like raw and just like distorted and like they can't play their instruments. I don't know. It's really inspiring to us. Uh, do you find yourself listening to hardcore a lot or would you would you say you're someone who's broad, like listening to a lot of different things? Yeah, I listen to um, a lot of music. I, I'm still trying to keep my ear to the ground on hardcore. There's just a lot of it now. But uh, yeah, I, I've never like I feel like that was a common thing with people was like moving on from hardcore. like. I remember when I was like a kid, like every hardcore, you know, iconic hardcore person had their band that was post hardcore, whether that be like a emo band or like a acoustic thing or like a electronic thing or whatever. And now I feel like it's just common to just be a lifelong hardcore fan, even if you're not playing the music. So I'm still listening to quite a bit of hardcore. You can't forget yeah. the the classic hardcore to shoegaze pipeline. One of my favorite <laughs> lines. <laughs> I forgot about shoegaze. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all good. Every you can play whatever fuck music you want. But I I think being too cool for hardcore is a little silly. <laughs> yeah, I mean they just have to listen to restraining order, and I think they'll be good. Um, I think they'll know it's cool right off the bat once they listen to you guys. But um. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this bad boy out with two questions. I was curious, and if, if you read, like, throughout, like, the internet or try to listen to, like, podcast interviews, like, usually, like, bands talk about, like, the or the origins, and I couldn't really find it. Like, we talked about, like, the, you know, your lead singer, Bleeding Connecticut, and uh, then the Western Mask connection, and then you had someone from New York. Um, was this something that formed in, like, like school or something? Or, what, like, how, like, through... Fi listening to other bands or like how did it come to be um restraining order uh yeah i mean we've we've all we're all in our early 30s so like we've been friends for a very long time and um we all have been playing in bands for a long time too so we started restraining order in i want to say i think we started talking about it in 2016 i had always wanted to do like like a early hardcore punk kind of band but you know me me and keith had been in bands and we just couldn't fit it in our schedule so we reached out to patrick our singer who we've known forever and he had a band called contempt and we used to it's all friends from connecticut were in that band and we i remember like at that time always being like man patrick's just like such a good front man and he's playing in this like band that's just like kind of not a joke band, but like just like a like a homie band, like a friends band that just yeah. opens shows and shit. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I think everyone should look up. Um, there's a video on YouTube of Contempt playing in uh, North Haven, Connecticut. It was a show they played with the Rival Mob, and you'll see Patrick in like true form, just like going fucking insane while his band just like makes terrible noise and i remember like me and keith just being like damn he's got to sing in our our band so like we just wanted to do a band that sounded like shit like 
career suicide and uh, like social circle and like early hardcore. And eventually we just got in my project studio and just made wrote the demo and that was 2017 and after that it took a little while to to take off but we just kind of played whenever we could and eventually you know we did a seven inch on new age and then the lp on triple b came out now you, you read my mind because i guess i'll close it out with this one i was gonna go in a different direction the typical cliche what are you looking forward to the most but i'm gonna stay away from that one um <laughs> I was actually telling Mike this earlier, but I, I had the opportunity to see you guys when you opened up for the Nightbirds when uh, Nightbirds final show, actually. Uh, it was in Asbury Park. And it was interesting because like Patrick never lost his school and I don't, I don't think any of the band members did. But I, I don't know if this is like a typical thing. I, I, it didn't feel like it from the audience, but they, it felt like they were almost heckling, like saying, play faster, play faster. And then like at first Patrick was like, yeah, this song's definitely going to be faster. Or like he was talking to the crowd. But after a while, I was like, dude, just shut up. Like, stop doing it. But he, he's just like, I feel like he is a natural. And it's like really important to have that type of front man in the band. But what can you say about that night? Like, was it like after a while, was it like just like stopped saying it? And then like how like I, you kind of explained it in the previous answer, but it, it feels like it's so important to have a front man who can find ways to just turn it on every single night, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're really lucky to have Pat who just, you know, is so fucking energetic that night. Like, I mean, we were all in a good mood that night. And I think like something like a guy just like, telling us to play faster who this dude was definitely like obliterated out of his mind and um i don't know that's kind of like like you know for me it was just like you know okay we, we will play fast <laughs> like challenge of fucking accepted and um that show was fucking awesome like i yeah. that was another band nightbirds like you know a more current band that was really inspiring to us we, we loved the the mutiny on muscle beach record and um getting to play their last show was like one of those kind of bucket list things i guess for our band yeah for sure i don't think there's any podcast in this world that mentions the nightbirds more than i do uh just those new <laughs> oh yeah records um Fuck yeah. i should mention that to brian <laughs> brian's a good dude he's doing a lot of good things for the music you know guitar music in general but yeah that, that was cool stuff um restraining order band that i feel like mike and i have been high on for a while and uh th this record yeah. really puts like an exclamation point on it I, I really i think anyone who listens to hardcore um they've listened to lock in time by at this point but you know we, we don't really have to push them towards it but uh if, if you haven't really you really need to sit down in this moment and listen to it all the way through because i just feel like every song's great i know mike's played it on his twin streaks um radio show that he does every tuesday so um yeah well uh real pleasure to have you on thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us about it oh man guys it's been my pleasure thank you so much for uh kind words and uh i, I really appreciate you having me on
Twin Treaks Radio BFF.FM. Once again, that was interview I got to hop on uh, on Behind Vinyl Podcast, and we got to interview Will Hurst, drummer of hardcore punk band Restraining Order. They just put out that new album, Locked in Time. It's out on Triple B Records. They're blown up. This is one of the biggest bands uh, in hardcore punk, uh, not only not only on the East Coast, but they've made their mark now in California. You know, after a wild Sound of Fury set, so. That was dope. Um, always love, you know, doing some crossover episodes with Behind the Vinyl to get get some interviews out, get perspectives from band members. Um, it was kind of funny to talk about like the whole Taco Bell discourse and Scal and how Cat Moss, um, who we had on the show um, from Scal, just get to talk about how like there's so many haters and there's so many people that just like that just come at you, especially if you're a woman. Um, within punk and hardcore and it's just so messed up because it's like scal they are a homegrown santa cruz hardcore band you know they always been going to shows they've been on the come up and they've yes they've exploded they played coachella they in fact are on that taco bell collab or whatever they've done the Pabst blue ribbon collabs you know say what you will playing all the festivals but it's well deserving um and it's awesome so i liked how you know we got to chop it up a bit about Scal. So I know it's uh, top of the hour, 90s time, but let's do um, Opening Night by the band Scal because it gives me that like kind of 90s, you know, angsty punk rock vibe um, with some hardcore elements. So let's do Opening Night by Scal, and then I'll just whip up um, a 90s medley, which will probably be random because I don't really got a theme. So let's do that. This is Scal from Santa Cruz here on Twin Treats Radio, BFF.FM. Oh, make me. 
that I read it was uh, Nirvana means freedom from pain and suffering in the external world that's just that's the Webster's it. dictionary I mean that's just right. right out of the Webster's dictionary and you said as far as you could tell that's that's what punk means to you so it was the perfect name that's that's not yeah. why that's not why you chose the name then now I remember yeah that's why sure I don't want to harp <laughs> on the name it was the name. yeah it doesn't matter okay it'll be a household world word no time
was born The day the shot JFK The way you look at me Sucks me down the sidewalk Somebody please Tell this machine I'm not a machine
And that concludes the 90s medley of Twin Shrieks Radio, random yet also handpicked. Um, we jumped across the board, but everything made sense. So I did Hole by, um, I did Hole. <laughs> I did Celebrity Skin by Hole, um, as Scal has been drawing comparisons to that 90s alt sound. And you know, I kind of hear it. And then with Hole, naturally, um, we think about Nirvana. And I wanted to pull a cool little Nirvana uh, Kurt Cobain interview. You know, rip that, you know, right off YouTube, right from the source. Um, a YouTube short, if you will, uh, to play You Know You're Right. Now, yes, released in 2002, but that was the last song that Kurt Cobain written with the band or wrote with the band before he passed. So definitely 90s medley material. And then we did the Foos. Maybe you were at Outside Lands. Maybe you were at Outside Lands San Francisco in the fog and you saw the Foo Fighters. Well, big me to talk about it. I'm excited to see the Foo Fighters in Chicago, Ride Fest, a month from right now. Um, so, you know, wanted to drop that in. Cohesive crossover, big San Francisco festival, and then the festival that I'm going to go to, which I go to every year, as you all know. And then we jump to 1990, five-stop Mother Superior Rain by the Flaming Lips. Um, I don't know about the West Coast, but the East Coast had intense rain and thunderstorms the other day. So when I was just making this handpick yet random 90s medley, I kind of thought of that song. And um, it's a great one. Yeah, 1990, uh, that album by the Flaming Lips is called In a Priest-Driven Ambulance. So, yeah. Think about that one for a little bit. And then we jumped all the way to 1999, I'm Melting by Rainer Maria off their record, Look Now, Look Again, distributed and put out on Polyvinyl Records. So that was the 90s medley. And um, let's just round out round out this uh, cute little show. So again, we heard an interview with Will Hurst, drummer of the band Restraining Order. Um, that was me and my buddy Steve Macri put out on Behind the Vinyl, and we always, you know, like to do a little collab there with Twin Shrieks Radio. You right now, you're on BFF.fm. We do this every 10 a.m., 12 p.m. Pacific time. You can also catch us live in action at Twin Shrieks Fest, September 29th and September 30th at the historic 924 Gilman Punk Club in Berkeley, California. Full lineups out, tickets are out. Get a two day, come for a single day, or just, you know, just listen to the radio show. Um, so excited for that. Excited to be in the Bay at the end of next month. And yeah, let's wrap it up. Let's just play music, play cue music, new stuff, old stuff, punk stuff. Um, see what you got. Tune in. Keep it locked. Twin Shrieks, BFF. Yeah.
difference is a lie and it can never be true. And if you really like yourself, then you would try and be you. Yo, what's poppin'? This is your boy Jones, Capo Status, New York Strider, man. Dipset in the building. Y'all all know it's Cold Wall. Holla at him.
BFF.FM, this is Twin Treaks Radio. We're just playing the jams. It's all over the place. But if there's one cohesive, consistent theme, it's jams. Keep it locked. It's the front bottoms here on Twin Treaks Radio, BFF.FM. And we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. I want to be that comfortable place where you write and read. Watch TV. Or deeply breathe Back to back You and me feel trapped Never defend only You be Rachel and I'll be bong rips We'll get high all day I miss the hours in the morning And you in the morning hours I miss walking naked Through the backyard To get to the outdoor shower the way things used to be I miss the way things used to be It's okay, no one's around I'm off season Vacation town Vacation town I wanna see Everything like
Mike Donnelly of Twin Peaks Sessions Punk Rock Hardcore Alt Rock 90s Grunge Some Indie Acoustic Stuff Also Thought, 